You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester. Not with me as always, uh, neither my infant son, who has done like 10 podcasts in his eight days on Earth, but uh, not here tonight for the first time, and also uh, not here for the first time this season, Wheels Wienaker. Uh He did a couple of podcasts without me, and so turnabout is fair play. I am doing a podcast without him today. It is the Philadelphia Eagles with our annual Eagles guest, Shamir Seidman. Before we get to Shamir and the Eagles, I do want to talk for just one second, give an update about the 32 fans Survivor Fantasy Football League in 2020. It's the first time I've gotten really excited about uh, football and fantasy football this year. We mentioned it in the podcast a couple of days ago, and then we put out some feelers and we got tons of responses really, really quickly. Last year, we had four different divisions with 16 teams each. And this year, we uh, have five divisions with 16 teams each for a total of 80. And we already have almost 16 people on a wait list. And so we might just end up squeezing in a sixth division. We'll have to figure that out. But uh, then we started uh, Akiva and I and A.B. Sutton, who initially introduced us to it, us, along with Matt Stewart, who were the four commissioners of the four divisions last year. We're in a little chat discussing what wrinkles to add to the rules from last year. And then we brought it out to the patron group chat as a whole, and people just, you know, were on fire with all kinds of really exciting and ideas, which got more and more and more outlandish, tying in themes from Survivor and along with football. And we decided, uh, much like Survivor, you can't introduce too many new wrinkles in one season, or much like the NFL, you really got to do like one big change at a time because otherwise it's just going to overwhelm people with complete craziness. So we're going to have hidden immunity idols this year. And we're going to have, you can use your fab money in the auction for advantages. So we have, those are the two new wrinkles this year. Otherwise, it's the same league as last year. If you're still interested, you can reach out to us. Maybe someone drops out or maybe we do add a sixth division. So you have a few days left maybe to join us. With that having been said, now it's time to turn to the Philadelphia Eagles and our annual guest who comes every single year to tell us why he thinks the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Always positive about the Eagles is Shamir. Shamir, every year you are all in on the Eagles. You usually predict them to win like 13, 14, 15 games. Offline, you were telling me you're not as hot on the Eagles this year. So tell me, why are you not as optimistic uh, this year in the preseason as you usually are? Um, I think last season showed me not to get too hyped. 
Um, you know, we had massive expectations going into the year, tons of injuries, tons of uh, expectations not being met. So I'm trying to, you know, dial it back a little bit. I'm still confident in the team, but the division did get better. Um, and I looked at the schedule and got a lot, a lot of playoff teams from last year on there, but I still think they are, they're probably the best team in the division. And uh, I still believe nine to 10 wins gets in the division and a playoff spot. And all you need is a, a ticket to the dance, as they say. Yeah. Now in our uh, cumulative power rankings, we have the Eagles at seven this year, but I should let you know that they are closer to 15 than they are to five because there's like a massive drop off after the top five. So, um, you know, seven. Yeah. They have some question marks this year. I mean, they lost a lot of leadership. They lost a lot of players. They had, you know, a lot of, there's still guys, still question marks around Alshon Jeffrey and different things like that. So I still, I still think they're a great team. They have a lot of depth, but um, I'm, I'm, I would be okay with them ranked anywhere between seventh and fifteenth. So I think that's, I think that's, I think that's fair and accurate. Okay, but you think that they're clearly better than the Cowboys, so you think they're the favorite in the division? Yeah, I mean the Cowboys have a significant amount of offensive power, but they had that last year and did nothing with it, and they lost Gerald McCoy this week, and you know they seem to not step up when it's needed, and they win big games early in the season, and they get a lot of hype, and then it falls apart as the season goes on. Until they prove me otherwise, I'm going to continue riding with the Eagles, who have proven to be hot in December three or four of the last years, and have got a Super Bowl out of that. So until the Cowboys can prove they can win in December, uh, I'm going to be comfortable with my Eagles. Yeah, I wouldn't say they did nothing with it. They had the third best differential uh, in the league in the NFC last year. They just, you know, they obviously finished 8-8 eight because eight they had a bunch of blowout victories and in close losses. But yeah. They missed the, well, they, they missed the playoffs, and also they lost yeah. early in the season to, I believe, the Jets. I think they also lost to the Dolphins, if I remember correctly. So let's, let's start uh, – you know, you were talking about depth. Uh, you know, yeah. Carson Wentz, uh, you're hoping, of course, that he plays 16 games. Yep. But behind him, uh, I think you guys drafted Jalen Hurts. Like, what, what's the plan if, uh, if Wentz doesn't play all 16 games? Well, the depth chart showing Nate Sudfeld as the number two quarterback, but that's okay. not, not going to be the case when the season starts. I think – I think they looked at they looked around the league, and the Eagles tend to be a little bit more progressive in terms of how they do roster construction, and and they all they're also very happy to to, to play the the copycat role. And they saw Taysom Hill, they saw Lamar Jackson, they saw the mobile quarterback, and they said, you know what? Why don't we Why don't we take a stab at Jalen Hurts? Um, his role as you know what the what the organization has been saying is he's a quarterback, he's a quarterback, he's a quarterback, he's not a gadget player, but. I, I can see them, you know, mixing him in and some fourth and ones and some option reads and some, you know, especially especially in obvious running situations to take some of the beating off of Carson Wentz's head. Yeah, I mean, but if he's if he takes, you know, more than fifty snaps under center this year, that's a disaster. Potentially, yeah. I mean, but also when Andy Reid was a coach and they brought in Michael Vick along with Donovan McNabb, they lined them both up in the backfield and. The Saints played with Taysom Hill and and uh, Drew Brees in the same you know backfield last year. Who knows? I, I the, the truth is is that if Jalen Jalen Hurts is relied upon this year, the season is a failure. So yeah, it's all it, the, the the Eagles season starts, ends, and finishes with Carson Wentz's health and and uh, production. Yeah, and to be fair, like I think Wentz has developed a bit of a of like an injury prone reputation, but it's not really deserved. He played all sixteen games last year, which I think yeah. is the second time he's done that in his four year yeah. career. So it's basically he misses you know he has the season and. It, ending injury in the season when they win the Super Bowl anyway. So, you know, that yep. obviously didn't harm them. And then, and then the next year, frankly, Foles again sort of, you know, played fine and even won a playoff game in his absence. So it, it, I think it's a little right, bit un, unfair they, to say they, that, you know, they, Wentz's they, career has been defined by injuries, you know, costing the Eagles during his career. 
Right. Well, the the fluke ACL tear, you know, was was in the Super Bowl year, and in the season after that, he had a a fractured back, which he actually played through. But then when the season was circling the drain, they they, they benched him. And last year, he played all 16 games. And then uh, in the first quarter of the playoff game, he got cheap-shotted by, by uh, Clowney. So I don't yeah. think that's necessarily a reflection of an injury prone. But, I mean, you have to stay on the field. That's it. Yeah. That's let's let's talk about his weapons for a second. I think, you know, the Eagles have had both on the offensive and defensive lines really elite play for the last, you know, num- you know throughout the, the Wentz era or whatever you want to call it. And the difference in the Super Bowl year versus the other seasons was really probably their, their secondary and especially their wide receivers. Last year coming into the season, I think you were very high on the wide receivers. You know, there was a lot of injuries, yeah. obviously. In week one, Deshaun Jackson, as I know, I had him in fantasy. He had, you know, nine catches, two touchdowns, 130 yards, whatever it was. And then he never played again. Yep. Uh, you know, um, they, they had injuries to Alshon Jeffrey as well. And then, you know, by the end of the season, it was probably the worst collection of wide receivers we've seen on, a, on an NFL team, on a, on a playoff caliber NFL team that I can ever remember. Um, it, was, you know, it was a majority, majority practice squad players. Yeah. So, they, so you add Marquise Goodwin from San Francisco, and then you draft Jalen Rager in the, in the draft. Those are like two like speed guys, downfield threats. Well, well uh, Goodwin opted out for COVID. Oh, okay. So my uh, information is, is already old. Okay, so you've lost Goodwin already. So yeah. not, not a good start, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, guys right. dropping like last year. You still, you still have – Right. Look, so, if Rager and Deshaun Jackson can play 30 games combined, you still have more than enough speed on the outside. And there's Jeffrey. And then also they took two lottery tickets at the end of the draft, both, you know, four, two, four, three guys, guy Quez Watkins and the guy John Hightower, um, you know, one-trick ponies, but they should be able to stretch the field, you know, and – they were they were kind of you know they were kind of um, shots in the dark. Hopefully one of them pays off. But the you know between last year's breakout December star Greg Ward and Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager and Alshon Jeffrey coming back potentially after a few games, I think I think the the offensive uh, firepower at wide receiver is is definitely um, worthwhile and worthy. But ultimately the team is going to be relying upon. Uh, Ertz and Goddard to be the the number one and two options uh, in the offense at the, in the, at the passing game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have you know the best tandem of tight ends, uh, you know, if not in the league, you know, certainly up there, that can help make up for some holes at wide receiver. But they had that last year, and it wasn't enough. JJ Arcega Whiteside was well, he like a second well, round pick last year, third round pick? What was he last year? I don't care when he was drafted. All I care about is that he was taken before DK Metcalf, and that's going to haunt yeah. me for. Well, I mean, but that's true. Every team passed on Metcalf a couple of times, obviously. But the point is, Arcega Whiteside sucked last year, and, and, and my team has had a lot of bad experience with first-round uh, wide receivers as well. So, I'm, you know, you've already lost Goodwin, who was, you know, the free agent acquisition. And I just think, you know, I don't know, if you're really depending on, on Jalen Rager, that might be a problem. You know, you talk about these late-season these late season flyers, but and J- well, Deshaun Rager, Jackson's, Rager. what, 33. So, like, right. who do you Rager. feel really confident running down the sideline? Rager is the Deshaun Jackson insurance policy because he's not listed as a starter when, when Alshon Jeffrey's healthy. So he's depth. So you just need one of them. Okay. You just need one. He's depth. But at the end of the day, he's a first round pick and he's got, he, he was drafted before uh, Justin Jefferson and before some of the other bigger names on the board because of the Eagles saw something in him that a lot of other teams didn't. Um, he lo- does look explosive so far, but you know, he's got a big target on his back because there was like a big three wide receivers. There was C.D. Lamb, there was Jefferson, uh, and there was Henry Ruggs and a couple of guys. And, and he was taken before a couple of them, and he was not ranked in any draft boards as hiring a bunch of those guys. And, you know, here he is. Um, 
you know, with a lot of expectations and yeah. uh, it should be interesting. I mean, yeah, interesting. obviously, you know, because the Vikings were drafting down to 22 and needed a receiver, I was targeting Rager because I didn't think they'd have a chance at Jefferson. And then obviously the Eels take Rager Jefferson drops to them. You know, I, you know, to, yeah. to, to make assumptions based on, you know, pre-draft rankings is obviously foolhardy. So who knows? But, you know, All right, let's talk about in the backfield. So Jordan Howard is yeah. gone. So yep. you have a uh, you have a uh, second year Miles Sanders, then of course Boston Scott, who was like the fantasy darling late in the season. Yeah, and uh, Corey um, not, a, not, not, a, not a lot of depth behind that. I mean, obviously, um, Doug Peterson historically does not give a majority of the carries to one guy. He kind of mixes it around and does a lot of running back by committees, and you know, and is was putting a Darren Sproles on the goal line for years. Like he's not he's not a conventional manager of running backs, but. On paper now, it seems like a fairly traditional um, three-down back with Boston Scott mixing in as the uh, potential third-down back every so often, and the, and the guy who can you know take some pressure off and uh, in, in the passing game. And then behind him, you had they brought back Corey Clement from the Super Bowl team, and they have a couple of depth guys. They got Elijah Holy from Georgia floating around. Um, they, they signed him to a futures contract in January, and they took a bunch of guys in a. In the, in the undrafted free agent market, a guy, uh, uh, I think Killings Jr. was one of the fastest guys who was an undrafted player and a couple of other flyers. But ultimately, it's, a, it's Miles Sanders' team and Boston Scott is a nice piece behind him. And uh, running backs are, as they say, a dime a dozen. So I'm sure they'll figure it out. Boy, you really Especially know this whole roster. Pretty, uh, you're mentioning like third and fourth and fifth stringers, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, we're on vacation today, so I spent some time uh, studying the depth chart. Yeah, the internet connection isn't great where you are. Are you uh, deep in the bubble? Where are you exactly? Uh, we're out on Long Island in uh, Southampton. Uh, hanging out with your cisgendered friends? Yeah, my cisgendered friends. <laughs> let's, uh, so let's talk about that, that offensive line, which has been uh, elite for years is the way I was putting it. Uh, Jason Kelsey in the middle, obviously, you know, as good a center as there is in the league. Uh, if not the best Kelsey in the NFL. Jason Peters, the future Hall of Famer. So he's moving to guard. Is that correct? Correct. And then Andre so, Dillard is the new left tackle? Right. So what, ha what, ha what happened was is that um, Jason Peters was told that he no longer has a role on the team. They're moving ahead with Andre Dillard and good luck. And there were a lot of rumors he was going to go to San Diego and this and that. And then a few weeks later, Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles in – uh, training and they brought him back to play guard. You know, he's a 17 year career at left tackle. This is his first time changing positions should certainly be interesting. And there's a lot of people who, you know, who are the, a lot of the Eagles beat writers are, are secretly assuming he'll end up at left tackle, but sooner rather than later at some point. And maybe they're showcasing Dillard early in the season as a, as a potential trade piece or, uh, or they'll give him one more year to, 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 you know, refine his craft, but he's definitely a first rounder who has not lived up to the first round hype in his first few years. Um, Dillard, you mean? Dillard, correct. So, yeah, so he sort of was like a rotation guy last year, but he could not hold down a starting job. And he, he was, was not a pick last year, right? But he was not, he was never named a starter at any point in time. He was, he was yeah. a swing tackle, a rotation guy, but he, he didn't look great. Okay, let's, so let's go to the, the defensive line for a second. So Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham inside, still sort of the, the heart of this, well, I mean, really the, the entire defense, I would say. So Graham's on the outside. Oh, Cox yeah, sorry, great. Yeah, Graham's the, the edge yeah, guy. Cox sorry. is yeah. on the inside, and they. Oh, and Derek Barnett's the other edge guy, right? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So before last season, they signed chart. Malik. They, before last season, they signed Malik Jackson to be the uh, other interior lineman next to Cox. 
and he, he, I think he had a Liz Frank or one of the, like a serious foot injury in the first game of the season, but he's back and healthy now. But additionally, they signed uh, their big, their, their number one or number two free agent acquisition this past off season was uh, Javon Hargrave from Pittsburgh, who is a, who's a wrecking ball inside. And you put him on the same line as Cox and either one of them are going to be able to be, you know, you can't double team both of them. So it should certainly create opportunities for more pass rush certainly create opportunities to wreak havoc in the backfield. I'm very excited about Eagles uh, front, you know, the, the, the defensive front this season. It should be interesting. And they also brought back Vinny Curry a few days ago. Um, so they have, the, they have some veterans and they have some very talented players up front. It should be interesting. I'm excited. Let's talk about their linebackers. So they have a lot of sort of hybrid type guys at linebacker. Eagles have the 32nd um, ranked allocation of salary cap space dedicated to linebacker in the NFL. So they don't place a high premium on it. Um, their number one linebacker is TJ Edwards, who was undrafted last season out of Wisconsin. Number two linebacker is Nathan Gary, who was un- a sixth round pick at safety two years ago. Now he's converted to linebacker. And then they drafted two more guys this year to play linebacker, a guy Davion Taylor out of Colorado and a guy Sean Bradley out of Temple. Both guys ran at top five, 40 speed at the position for linebacker. So they're, they're not big or they're not strong, but they're fast. So I think that's uh, an area that Eagles were looking to target this year is to have fast guys in the middle of the field who can cover and run around. But they're not necessarily relying on them to be thumps in the middle to stop the run game. They're looking for sideline to sideline. So they've, it's, it's interesting. It's a very weak group. But um, the Eagles typically play um, – they don't play in a base, and they don't really have a lot of linebackers and they have extra secondary on the field. So they don't allocate uh, resources to linebacker, and, you know, they're, they're all a bunch of no-name guys. So you mentioned the secondary. You know, when they won the Super Bowl, that was a real strength of the team that has, you know, taken a couple steps back the last couple of years. Yeah. Ronald Darby never really worked out there. So you made a trade for Darius Slay from the Lions. I'm looking at the depth chart now. You have Nicole Roby Coleman, who the, the the upside, I guess, is that he doesn't, you know, ever do pass interference in NFC championships. But um, you know, who's starting opposite Slay? So on paper, rounder a couple of years ago, he's a good good player. They also have Sidney Jones, um, Rasul Douglas. So. There, Rasul Douglas is clearly not the starter, so it's either going to be it's, it's more, more than likely going to be Avante Maddox unless he gets passed in, um, in training camp by Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones has the pedigree. He was a first-round talent and fell the second round because he tore his Achilles pre-draft. But they have a bunch of names and a bunch of guys who on paper are good but don't really show up. Um, so hopefully between Slay on the other side and the improved pass rush, they can start making these guys look a little better. But Coleman should play the slot. Maddox should be on the outside with Slay, and uh, Sidney Jones is the first guy off the bench with uh, with Rasul Douglas behind him. Yeah, because when you're when you're lining up, and then a like, safety. Yeah. Hello. Oh no, yeah. I was going to say they 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 additionally have Jalen Mills, who they converted to safety. Um, so that's also replacing Malcolm Jenkins, who was the the all pro heartbeat of the team didn't miss a snap, literally miss a snap. But when I, when I say snap played special teams and every single defensive snap for like four consecutive seasons, which is incredible. And they let him walk for some inexplicable reason and replaced him with a part-time corner 
to, you know, convert it to safety. I'm not really thrilled with the idea. Um, they also brought in a guy from, uh, from Denver, a guy Will Parks. So they have, they have some players at safety, and they have some interesting players at left corner. You know, Darius Slay is the only, um, you know, guy you can set your watch to in that secondary. Yeah, you know, if, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm looking at Week 16 going into Dallas, a game probably with the division on the line, and you got to cover Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and then, of course, the Cowboys then went and spent a first-round pick on CeeDee Lamb. And I'm just, you know, am I going to be confident with, with Coleman or Sidney Jones, any of these guys you're mentioning, covering those guys down the field? And that's, to me, probably, like, the, the place that I'm most, you know, you said they didn't really spend money on linebackers, but to me, I'm really worried about, you know, how they're going to cover all those guys, you know, against the Cowboys, for example, and then some of the other so that's, offenses. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, there's, there's no good answer. I mean, most of those guys are overmatched against those guys, but, but, who, but who is it? Who, who's second and third corner can handle CeeDee Lamb? I mean, that's a, that's, a, yeah. that's a deep bunch of wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings um, have, uh, have lost all their, all their quarterbacks from last year, so I'm very nervous in the secondary as well. Let's, um, so let's jump. The, the, the Eagles over-under is 9.5, and, and ordinarily on this podcast every year we get to the Eagles over-under, and you're shocked that it's not like three wins higher. But before we started recording – you told me you thought that was pretty reasonable. So let's jump into the schedule game and, and try and figure out, uh, you know, what the, what the Eagles schedule is going to be. And then you'll tell me whether, you know, you would bet the over or the under yeah. at nine and a half. So, uh, and yeah, again, all with the assumption that we're playing the, the 16 games on the schedule and that, you know, nothing gets interrupted. And that's a big if, but week one, you go to Washington. I don't know who that team doesn't have a name. That team doesn't have a quarterback. Alex Smith is now limping around. He thinks he's coming back. I don't know what the hell's going on. So uh, is that a win or a loss for uh, Deshaun Jackson? Who no. Start last year in week one against Washington. Yeah, the Eagles play seem to play the Redskins every single season week one. They're on not the, the Redskins road. anymore. <laughs> Correct. W football team. Yeah. Um, it's it's a win. It's a win and it's a cover, but it's gonna it's it's gonna probably take them a half to get going. Because especially with no preseason, you know, I think it happened, but uh, that's gotta be a win. Yeah, I mean honestly, the first the first three weeks of the of the season, probably the easiest part of the schedule for the Eagles. So you really you really want to get out to a fast start here if you if you uh have high hopes for the season. So week two, you come home, you, you face the Rams. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting game because the Rams are, are a really nice looking team on paper, but I, 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 think, that, I think the Eagles, you know, ha, have beat them historically um, and they beat them on the road also. So I think that's a win also. I think that then, obviously week three with the Bengals should be, should be a win. And just, I think a three, and zero start is not unreasonable. All right, now things get a bit tougher. You uh, go at San Francisco on Sunday Night Football in Week Four. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't confidently call that a win. I think that's a, that's, that's an L. And then Week Five, you go to Western Pennsylvania to play the Steelers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by that game. I don't know. I haven't done too much research about the Steelers, but I feel like they've lost a lot. Um, I think I would book that as a win. Also, I go to four and one. All right, so four and one, and then you come home and you face the Ravens. Yeah, I don't. I think the Ravens are going to be a freight train this year. I think that's a loss. All right, so four and two, and then you play a couple of home games in the division. First on short rest Thursday night against the Giants. I mean, the Giants. The Giants got better, but the, so did the Eagles. I, I think the Eagles are going to sweep the Giants this year, and they're going to split with the Cowboys. So, I think I, I actually, ironically, I'm going to flip the schedule this year. I'm going to have the Eagles losing at home and winning in Dallas. So. I'm going to go to five and one and then five and two. Well, no, so no, they're four and two when they lose to the Ravens. So then they beat the Giants, they're five and two. And then you said Sunday Night Football, they, they lose at home to the Cowboys. So yeah, they're fine. Yes. Five and three. Going so five and three five. coming into the bye. You said they sweep the Giants. So then they're six and three after the bye. Yeah. And then they go at Cleveland in week 11. Yeah, that's a win. 
All right, so seven and three, and then you play on Monday night at home against Seattle. I they they just they can't beat the Seahawks. They never beat the Seahawks. Freaking Russell Wilson has got their number. It's uh, I'm going I'm going Seahawks there. Yeah, I mean, other than the Giants game, you know, the schedule gets really tough at this point. Then you go at Green Bay the next week. Yeah, that's a tough game. I mean, they, they won Green Bay last year on Sunday Night Football. I, that was a miracle. Um, but I, I don't see them repeating that. All right, so seven and five, and then you play the Saints in week 14. So the Eagles have a weird history against the Saints. They seem to always lose to them. But I, I, I like them at home here, but I, it's really a coin flip for me. The Saints are tough, and they have an explosive offense. But I don't so, know. I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give that a win, but I'm not, not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling great about it. All right, so that's a big win because you're 8-5. and five. You go at Arizona in week 15. Yeah, traveling across the country, you know they got the Sean, they got they got a uh, Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I mean, I don't know. I I would I would I'd, I'd, I'd go lost there. It's tough to travel and play on the West Coast. All right, so now you're eight and six. Week sixteen yeah. at Dallas. What is the Cowboys' record in week sixteen? Yeah, this this is this is for the division. All right, this now again, there are three wild cards this year, but the NFC is pretty deep, so there's no guarantee. Especially if you lose, you drop to eight and seven. But you have said that after having lost at home before the bye, right. yeah, this I'm is the revenge them, I'm game. Ha- I'm having them win out here. Okay, yeah. so a big win, nine and six, and then you come home, you finish it uh, how you started against the uh, the W's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the reality is is that that you know one of those one of those Giants games could be a loss, and they could also win you know one of the Packers or Seahawks or you know or one of my losses. Yeah, I'm somewhere in nine and seven, ten and six range. I mean, I'm right, kind so- of. So then, would you bet the over or the under, or you're staying away at nine and a half? Um, I I'd probably go under. I'd probably okay, so. go under. It's a weird. It's it's a weird season, um, and especially if they can sneak in at nine and seven. You know, they seem to, you know, lose focus in the middle part of the year, like like they do last year, and turn it on in December. And I, I think as long as they see a path to getting in, I think they can, you know they can sneak in. All right, so uh, the schedule game you went for ten and six, but you would said uh, gun to your head you would take the under at nine. Gun to my head, the owner, yeah, because you know a, a couple of those games were real coin flips. But I, 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 I like the Eagles, I like the team, but I, I don't. This is not this is not the Super Bowl you know caliber team that they used to have. Yeah, you know I was shocked. Pro Football Focus gives the Eagles just a thirty three percent chance of making the playoffs, and that 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 to me is very very low. You know, even even if you think the Cowboys are the favorites in the division, right? I was gonna, I was going to say that for sure leans heavy on the Cowboys being an elite team. Yeah, I mean, I think you know New Orleans, San Francisco, Seattle. You know, let's say one of Green Bay or Minnesota, and then the Cowboys. But other than that, I guess I guess I, Tampa. I mean, I'm not so high on Tampa, but a lot of people obviously are pretty high on Tampa, obviously because of the Brady stuff. Um, but then, you know, the Rams yeah. are taking a step back. The Falcons haven't really made a lot of moves. And then there's a lot of teams at the bottom of the NFC that, you know, I just, I don't see a way for the Bears to compete this year. The Giants and, and Washington, you know, you, you chalk that up as four wins. That's got to be four wins. So I think I'm surprised. I think that the Eagles, if they're not a playoff team, I think they're going to be a nine and seven playoff team, uh, nine and seven team that just misses the playoffs. Um, I, I, yeah. haven't, I, I mean, haven't decided I, yet whether I would take the over or the under. I think, you know, nine and a half is, is – I guess I'd probably take the under also just because I think nine or even eight is more likely than, than 11 just because, you know, the top of the NFC is pretty strong. But I'm surprised the pro football focus is that low. Yeah, it seems a bit low to me. I, I, I – 33% in this division is crazy. Yeah, why don't you give me – what's the percentage chance that the Eagles play all 16 games on their schedule this year? Oof. 
I mean, listen, I love reading these stats. They post every couple of days, like 2,500 COVID tests, only 10 positive. There's only 10 players that are missing, missing training camp right now because of COVID. I mean, you know. Who I, opted out for I, this team other than at receiver? We talked about Goodwin already. I think Goodwin was um, – and is there somebody else? I think there was one other guy, a linebacker. I think it was there was a linebacker that opted out also. I forgot who. Oh, 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 uh, Jatavius Brown, the guy they got from the Chargers opted out. Okay. All right. So, so, so not, not too bad, you know, obviously compared to like teams like the Pats. Um, right. Do you have any other Philly sports takes for us? Is, is there any chance the Sixers come back against the uh, Celtics here in the first round without Ben Simmons? I hate their matchup with the Celtics. You know what? The reality is, is that Jason Tatum is a stud and he's a closer and he's got ice in his veins and he's confident and you, you need that in the playoffs. The Sixers, just look, just look at this team and Joel Embiid, nice player. I, I don't, I don't want him with the ball, the ball in his hands. There's 24 seconds left in the game. And last night, Alec Burks was the one taking that shot. It was absurd. And Tobias Harris is MIA and you, you need, you need a killer. You need a killer to win in the playoffs and, have it they just don't have it and it pains me so much to say that after all these years after all these years yeah and then the, the phillies you, you, have you had a really killer. bad start to the season right although they won a couple games yeah, in a row well they the phillies bullpen i read a stat the other night had three scoreless innings which brought the team bullpen era down to 1292 <laughs> well look washington's was like that at this point in last season and look how it ended up for them yeah, I mean, Harper is heating up, and the offense is looking pretty good. JT Romuto is playing out of his mind. Like, if you if you can't if you need your starters to go nine innings every night, you're not gonna you're not gonna win a lot of games. Yeah, Zach Wheeler, I think, has been, I've been watching, paying attention to him because I really wanted him in the offseason. Yeah, he's been good. Nola's been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. After um, a, the, a hot 2018 and a, and a not so great 2019, he's had a good bounce back season. So, do you you expect this team to sneak in as like the seven or the eight in the NL? Not the way it looks now, but oh, okay. hopefully things heat up. Hopefully things heat up. They, they, they really. I mean, I mean, obviously you saw the other night with San Francisco. A lot of teams have bad bullpens right now. Yeah. Um. But this is this is this is bad. This is real bad. <laughs> I think I think the key is in baseball this year. You want to get a nice little winning streak going and then just hope your whole team gets COVID and you, you miss the next month of the season. Like, you know, the Cardinals have played what, like 10 games so far, but yeah. if it goes they're, by winning like, percentage, they might make the playoffs at like eight and eight or something like that. Yeah. It's actually unfair because now the Cardinals have to play like 27 double headers. I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. It's, although I hate these, I hate the seven inning double header. It really yeah. drives me. Nuts. I don't understand. I also don't understand the logic behind it because you know, once the players are there, just let them play, right? I guess it's because you don't want to tax uh, bullpens too much. Right. Because right, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of these guys could potentially be playing 36 innings or two, two days. Yeah, so expand rosters back to 30, you know, make it 35. Who cares? You know, bring in, you know, 20-man uh, pitching stats. Just, I, I hate – the Twins had one of those doubleheader things on, on Saturday, and they, they had a pair of four two games against the Royals, and it just – you're playing a garbage team like the Royals, and you have complete confidence that you're going to come back in the eighth and ninth inning. But then all of a sudden, in the sixth inning, you're like, "Oh, we have four outs left, and this game is over." And, you know, Let me ask you a question about the Twins. Yeah. Are we going to Are we going to look back in like five years from now and find out that Nelson Cruz took every possible steroid <laughs> on, on Earth? 
Yeah, probably I don't care. I, I don't care at all. But yeah, I'm pro steroids. But yeah, it's insane. Like l- last year, he had like the greatest 40 year old season, uh, almost like I-, I think the fourth or third best in the history of the game. And this year, he's like, significantly better than that. So um, he, yeah, I don't he's know. a he's a threat to hit a home run every time he comes up to that, and he's so old. Yeah, so it's uh, cool. it's really unbelievable. He's he's such a joy to watch, uh, Boomstick. So yeah, I, I don't really care. Uh, whatever, whatever they're pumping in his veins, uh, give me some of that. Because uh, we had a debate on a previous episode. I don't remember which team it was about. Uh, you know, some some idiot, some hot take guy on Twitter was ranking like the most difficult things to do in sports for a non-athlete, and he thought that hitting a home run was much much easier than uh, scoring a goal in the NHL, which is insane. Oh, it's like, Elliot, Elliot Shore Parks. He was a, he's, he's, he's the, he's the oh he's the Philly guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, that 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 take, and I think we've been bombed by now. But that take is completely insane. Um, hitting a home yeah. run against a, a pitcher who's trying to get you out is the most impossible thing for a non-athlete to do. It's well, impossible. after the after the Sixers choked away the uh, in the fourth quarter last night, um, somebody was tweeting they should have run plays for Elliott Shore Parks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously anybody could you know hit an open jumper in the NBA, you know, but yeah, it's impossible to hit a home run. It's and. Um, except for Nelson Cruz, who's 41 years old and does it every night. So, all right, Shamir, thank you so much uh, for joining us yet again. You can go back to uh, your vacation in Long Island, and we'll see you at, the, uh, at our fantasy draft, hopefully, in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon.